0: It was 1845, and Sir John Franklin had set out on an expedition to the Arctic to try and discover the northern passage. He was accompanied with 138 men. They set out on two ships, two three-masted ships that were uh, steam-powered coal vessels. The journey was anticipated to take some two to three years. The deal was they only brought enough coal for 12 days. You see a problem? Let me tell you what they did bring. They brought a library of some 1,200 volumes. They brought some fine china. They brought some precious goblets. They brought precious silver flatware engraven with the initials of all the crewmen. Well, Some weeks, months, and more months went by, and no one heard from this expedition led by Sir John Franklin. And so a search party was sent out to try and find them. It took them 12 years. 12 years to find those two ships completely enveloped in ice. And the men as well. Frozen. As they were making their way across the icy plains, pushing as though they were still almost trying to still push those lifeboats filled with, you know what? Flatware. It's true. And you sense the, the, the foolishness, the futility, the insanity. Of flatware on a journey like that. And I think it begs the question of all of us here this morning. Are we equipped? Are we aware of what's involved with the journey ahead for us? Do we know what's involved in following Jesus? Or are we just packing flatware? If you have your Bibles, I ask you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, Uh, we are pushing on through this uh, text, this study through the Gospel of of Matthew. Uh, Matthew is the first of the four Gospels, the first book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and it goes on, of course, from there. But we're in Matthew, Matthew 14, we're picking up where we left off last week. Uh, Last week we were looking at verses 1 through 12, we're picking up in verse 13. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 13, moving on through verse 21. Hear now the Word of God. Now when Jesus heard this, He withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by Himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed Him on foot from the towns. When He went ashore, He saw a great crowd, and He had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to Him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Let's pray together. O oh Lord, we would be like the tree planted by streams of water. that it yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf doesn't wither. And all that we do, we would prosper. Oh, would that be us? Help us hear this passage. Help us hear this text. We need your help more than we know. Whether this text be brand new to us or very familiar with us, to us, uh, we need ears with which to hear, eyes with which to see, hearts that would increasingly beat in cadence with yours, lives spent. For the right things, in the right way. In your name, we pray. Amen. Well, the context is rather important here. What, what, what's going on? What's going on in, in the course of these events of what we just read here in Matthew 14? Well, you see, at verse 13, now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But then the crowds, when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Well, what was the this? What was it that he had just? heard. Well, he heard some news, and it was in response to that news that Jesus moves. Well, what was the news? Well, we looked at this last week. That's verses 1 and 2. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard about the name of the fame, excuse me, of Jesus, and he said to his servants, this is John the Baptist. He has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. So Jesus moves in response to this news. He, this is a strategic withdrawal. That's what this involves. This is a strategic withdrawal. Jesus has no desire. He has no interest in, in at least for now, a confrontation with the local authorities. For now, this is time for intensive training of his disciples. And that is exactly what follows. Something that is modeled extraordinarily uh, for them here. Uh, I should note, by the way, that this is the only one, except for his, his resurrection, this is the only one of Jesus' miracles that is reported, recorded for us in all four Gospels. It's the only one which tells us something. tells us something of its importance. It tells us something of the significance of this account because here we see that following Christ is like nothing we've ever done. I realize that some of you have experience in planning and logistics and in uh, the execution and the implementation of plans in in assessing and doing after-action reports. I got that. I know that that some of us here are well-trained, well-read, and well-rounded. And you may have all the references you could ask for and the resume that is the envy of your friends. But we need to recognize that following Jesus, just push all that to the side. In fact, just flush it. Following Jesus is like nothing we've ever done. And therefore, we have to go about it, we have to approach it in a whole new way. An utterly, completely, radically different way. And you see that here in this passage, it comes out very clearly, especially in these three ways, these three things. It's there in your outline. First, you see it in the immensity of the task that is before us. Secondly, in the limitations of the resources that we have in and of ourselves. And then the absolute necessity of dependence on Christ. Those three things, the immensity of the task, the limitations of our resources, and the absolute necessity of of our dependence on Jesus. Well, let's look at these three things in turn. First, the immensity of the task. What do we see? This comes out very clearly in verses 14 through 15. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. But it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Let's think about the scope of the need here. The size of the crowd, right? The size of the crowd it 's described here as as a, a great crowd um, we just when you plug it all together, you realize at the end it 's described as a crowd consisting of five thousand men besides women and children well that 's easily twenty thousand people easily conservatively we 're talking about twenty thousand people there that day uh, they 're in a remote location. there are no food trucks uh, when, when, when the disciples say. Uh, send them out into the villages. Um, those villages are likely little hamlets, you understand, with or without walls, just these little places, these little pockets of population out there spread around in the countryside. So that's the scope of the need. How do the disciples respond recognizing the scope of the need? Well, they, they make a, 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 uh, a rational assessment, I guess you could say, a reasoned assessment, I suppose you could say. Um, a practical assessment. They, they, they do a mathematical calculations. What are we up against? Uh, what's the need? How big is the job? And after making that practical assessment of things, they then come to their pessimist, pessimistic assumptions. Jesus, the crowd is too big. There's too many of them. If they're going to eat, you got to send them away. Right? So you see how their practical assessment drives a pessimistic assumption and in many ways they're right in in many ways they're absolutely right in terms of the conclusions that they came to as they are facing solely the immensity of the task solely the immensity of the task so i just want to stop here at this point and then ask this question so what is our task right What what is the task that He's put before for us? And I just want to, just for time's sake, break this up into two things, two two headings, and just to be very simple, just in those those two headings. So first, our task outwardly is to reach the world, all nations, all peoples, with the Gospel. (laughs) To be agents of transformation in this culture, in this society, to be salted light, To be a city on the hill. Outwardly, that's our task. Daunting. To say the least. Inwardly. Can I just put it that way? What's our task? To love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and our neighbor as ourselves. Daunting. To say the least. In fact if you're honest and you're really facing the immensity, if you're, if you're looking at those tasks with a sober eye, you realize it's too much. It's the equivalent of being asked to feed a crowd of 20-some thousand people. That's the immensity of the task. And Jesus is insisting you need to face that, to face the task in front of you, in front of us which then takes us to the second thing. So following Christ, again, it's like nothing we've ever done, which then demands, impels that we approach it in a whole new way. That takes us to the second thing, not just the immensity of the task, but now coupled with that, the limitations of the resources at our disposal, the ones that we come to the table with. All right? So you have this inadequate supply. You see that here in verses 16 and 17, picking up where I left off. So this engagement, this conversation back and forth, Jesus counters with the disciples' assumption. But, verse 16, but Jesus said they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, now they're countering, you have, we have only five loaves here and two fish, the inadequate supply. Now, in John's account, we learn that they got these five loaves and these two fish, which is basically a lunch from a, a young boy there in the crowd. Now, we don't know anything about his story, but we do know he's just a boy. And he's got his basket lunch. I was a nice sack lunch, but it's, you know, it's likely a basket of some kind. And he's, my point being, he's not a caterer. This is not a grocery store. This is not Amazon working with Whole Foods. This is a young lad with a lunch. And what he has given to the disciples as they are presenting to Jesus Is while that's, it's, 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 well, it's, (laughs) it's ludicrously inadequate. It's the staple food for the time, the five flat pieces of bread, likely barley loaves from what we know from the other accounts, uh, a couple of, um, Pickled fish likely caught there from the Sea of Galilee. I know, pickled fish. That's awesome. But I mean, you know, in terms of preserving, you can keep it long enough. So that's your staple diet, oftentimes for the the poor in the society. But so that's what it's understandable. That's what the kid has. But feeding 5,000 men and 20,000 plus, this is ludicrously inadequate. So that's the inadequate supply. Now the disciples' response. You have yet another. Um, practical assessment in play. They do another mathematical calculation. They say, oh great, the crowd is too large and our supply is too small. Right? Pretty clear. They're practical assessment that drives yet another pessimistic assumption. They're driven by basically this. All they see Excuse me, what they see, what they see, they interpret as being all they have. What they see is what they interpret, what they translate into what they understand as being all that they have. And so, in that, of course, they, they, they you know, putting all that together, they say, well, this can't be done. Right. <laughs> in many respects, they're absolutely right when you look at the immensity of the task and the inadequacy the limitations of their resources so before I go any further I want to again say so what about our supply what are we, what are we bringing to the table ok we're being called to, to, to feed in essence if you can use this metaphorically 5,000 men 20,000 plus with our, the equivalency of our five loaves and two fish worth of love Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's how much of that I have to bring. That's my five loaves and two fish to bring towards that outward and inward task that we mentioned just a moment ago. And that is ludicrously inadequate, what we have to bring to the table. My five loaves, your five loaves, and two fish worth of doing justly, loving mercy, and walking humbly with our God. And that's what we're bringing to the table, to feed the 5,000. And Jesus is saying you need to recognize that. You need to recognize that following me is like nothing you've ever done. And so you need to approach this in a completely radical new way, grappling with the immensity of the task and the limitations of your resources and letting that drive you to dependence on me. you see that unfolding here in verses 18 through 21. And he said, oh, that we would hear this in our own lives, in our own hearts. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. And they broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. Those who ate were about 5,000 men, besides women and children. Now, look, look at what Jesus is doing here. He's two, two parts of this. He is taking and using what little they had. Don't lose this. In the miracle of how, and, and what he's showing in terms, of, this is how I do it, this is how I'm determined to do it. I'm going to take and use what little you had. You notice that he did not. Take the, just pick up stones from the field and turn that into the, the food that was needed. Now, he certainly could have done that, right? Jesus did not need their loaves and fish. Strictly speaking, He didn't need that. He could have done it all from the rocks on the ground if He wanted to. The disciples are convinced that the solution to this problem is limited by the the, the, the limited resources that they have. And Jesus is in no way limited by the resources that they have. Rather, He is determined to take and to use what little they have, which when you think about it, is so beautifully, wonderfully kind and ennobling to involve them in what He is doing to involve us in what he is doing. He is is determined to take and to use what little they had, and here's the second part, to do what they could not. He is determined to take and to use what little they had to then do what they clearly could not do. Now, notice the the means by which how this, this plays out. I'm not going to get into all the grammar and how you can see that in the Greek and all that, but just it's actually just think about how it plays out. You don't even need to go with that. Jesus does not create a stockpile of loaves and fish. It's not like this massive mound, you know, there on the on the shoreline, and then he just says, "Oh, come and get it." He doesn't give the disciples dump trucks. You know, just okay, just load up one trip and go on out. You know. Peter, you go on to that twelfth side, and John, you go over to that sector. And No, it, it, it happens incrementally through repeated fillings. Here's the way this goes. Who knows how long this took, given the number of people. But incrementally, through repeated fillings, the disciples go to Jesus, they get an armload or a basketfuls, or I don't know, they go to Jesus, they carry what they can, out to a group of people, they give it to them, and then they're going back to Jesus. And then they go back to the people. And then they're going back to Jesus. And then that has to go on hundreds of times over the course of the, the, the waning sunlight of that afternoon that they might be fed. It doesn't just happen once. It happens. It has to happen. For the work to be done, for the people to be fed, it has to be a continuous repeated thing of going to Jesus and going to the need and going to Jesus and going back to the need. Not just once. But continually so. Continually so. It's the lesson that the Israelites were supposed to learn. They're in their wanderings in the wilderness with the manna. It's not a stockpile. It's a, for us a daily, moment-by-moment thing. Going to Jesus, going to the need. Going to Jesus, going to the need. Continuously. Incrementally. Repeatedly. That's how Jesus works. Still. Still. He is not. Oh my goodness. He is not hemmed in by the immensity of the need. Whatever that's coming to your mind. Put it, you know, whatever that task is. However heavy, however large, however just, just unimaginable. He is not, please know He is not hemmed in by the immensity of that need. Nor is He hampered by the paltry resources, by the limitations of what we have to bring to the table. My goodness, He is the the assigner of the tasks. And He is the multiplier of the resources. He is not hemmed in or hampered in any way. Ours is simply then to trust Him, to hear Him, to lean into Him. So again, I come back, I said at the beginning, following Christ is like nothing we've ever done. We have to approach this in a completely new way. Let me wrap this up with just kind of an absurd word picture or absurd, absurd illustration. I hope we'll make the point for you. It, it sounds absurd, and I'm putting myself you know, kind of as the focal absurdity, but, but we all do this in one way or another. Okay? So, the cleanup and recovery and the repairs from Harvey, right, is it just, so just so demanding. I mean, the experts are saying it's going to take years for the hardest hit areas to, to fully recover. Okay? Thus far, as of Friday, 39 deaths. 50,000 plus homes destroyed or damaged. Uh, At least 325,000 people have already requested federal aid. FEMA, already. It's going to be, I'm sure it's going to skyrocket, but FEMA has already shelled out $57 million in, in assistance. Now imagine, okay, so that's the scope, right? Imagine I step forward, somehow I get on camera before the whole nation and say, I can do it. I can handle it. See, a few years ago in the kitchen, one of my kids spilled some juice. And it took me like two seconds, and I still got the sponge. No worries, I got it. He'd be like, get a clue. That's nuts. Yeah. And that's the same thing I do in my life all over the place. And so do you. So do we all. In terms of failing to reckon with the immensity of the task, and the paltry amount of resources we have to bring to the table, and then relying on ourselves to think, we can do it! Without ever giving a second look, or even a first look, to the assigner of the tasks, and the multiplier of the resources, to the Lord Himself. The Lord Himself, who's saying to us so emphatically here, we, you, (laughs) cannot do this on your own. You cannot do this on your own. But you have to trust me. You have but to trust me. And as you do, I will feed that 5,000. Yes, with your five loaves and your two fish. Let's pray together. Or we confess our tendency is indeed to play down the task. To play down what's in front of us we think we can handle. We think, don't think it's that big a deal in terms of what it means to serve gladly and give generously and to love our enemy. To do justly and love mercy and to walk humbly before you. We, we Yeah, okay. That's what we say. Our tendency is to Play those things down into the play up our resources, our experience, our knowledge, our wisdom, our ability, our capacities. Our tendency is to never look at you. Perhaps go once, and then then we're so quickly deluded into believing that we can handle it. And you, in all of that, are the Lord of creation, the long-awaited king, again, the assigner of the task, the multiplier of the resources. We ask that you would help us to see With the eyes of faith, help us to see. Take us back to that day. Help us to see what the disciples saw that day. And to serve you this day with deeper humility and greater boldness. With deeper humility and greater boldness. In every task and encounter that you set before us. And we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.